Today on the podcast, we are highlighting three of the most influential creative entrepreneurs on the internet right now. And if you haven't heard these women speak, I strongly encourage you to check them out. They are awesome. We've got Alex Fasulo, we've got Halataha and Jasmine Starr all joining the show today. And they've been previous guests, but there were things that these women said that really stuck out in my mind. And I want to reshare these experiences with you in today's episode. I just also want to give credit to all the amazing women who are out there creating amazing things. This month is Women's Month, and it just felt appropriate to highlight these gorgeous, amazing, intellectual women for what they are and what they're doing on a daily basis. And if you're new here, we help people grow a business through online media and podcasting. So you definitely want to take a moment and hit subscribe, go back through the catalog of guests that have been on the show, and I think that you're going to find lots of insights that are going to help you turn the needle on your business. Hit subscribe, hit the like button, and go back and enjoy And I do also just want to point out that this is a process. This is a game. I've been doing this for a long time. And when I look back at my original and my first episodes and all the mistakes that I've made over time, there've been so many. And this show is really, really designed to help you avoid all those mistakes because you don't have to. I've been there and I'm going to cover up the potholes so you don't step in them. Let's give you clarity. Okay. With all that said, thanks for subscribing. And let's get into our first guest here, Alex Fasulo. Alex is awesome. She left her corporate job to start copywriting as a freelancer and quickly became one of the most coveted and one of the most effective freelancers on the market. And one of the things I love about Alex is she really highlights how work is changing. As a young woman, part of Generation Z, she's really leading the way for people just like you leading the way to a different way to generate income and a different lifestyle. And I think you're going to really love hearing Alex's story about how she got started. So rock team run the tape, brother. One of the interesting things about you, Alex, is you left your corporate job to freelance on Fiverr. And I got to ask how many people told you you were crazy for doing Pretty much every every single person. <laughs> or so some people would just look at me because they didn't even know what freelancing meant. And I think in their head they were like, this poor girl. <laughs> so I'm just kind of curious. That's a really difficult thing, right? It can be a very lonely place starting something that nobody understands. Was there anything in particular? Like, why did you feel like this was the right direction for you to go with that? I really had no strategy behind it at all. It, that Freelancing was one of many things that I tried because I was just desperate to not have to go back to an office. So mm. I was doing a bunch of things from teaching social media on you know weeknights to social media management for people for different brands to writing to freelancing and um, freelancing on Fiverr just happened to be what took off. There was really no strategy behind it. It's, I kind of empathize with that. That's very similar to my journey and that we just keep trying different things until we find things that work and then we lean into them. And speaking exactly. of lean in, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Fiverr. So just for a little bit of context for anyone who's not familiar, Fiverr is an online marketplace where you can find freelancers to do graphic design, copywriting, video editing, all sorts of different, typically digital functions. Okay. And your main niche was copywriting, correct? Yes. Yep. 
Perfect. So you got into it in 2016. In 2017, you had a huge year, 63K. That's pretty great for a freelancer. In 2018, Mm -hmm. you almost quadrupled that to $273,000. That's a huge jump in your income. What do you attribute that to? How did you get from 63 to 273? Fiverr Pro launched, which is um, the top 1% of the platform. It was a new program that Fiverr started to push out because they were trying to compete with Upwork in a way. Cause everyone was like, Oh, Fiverr's the $5, you know, bargain deal, basement, whatever mm-hmm. crappy freelancing site. So they launched Fiverr pro in an effort to appear more like top quality and whatnot. So I was one of the few uh, people that they picked to be part of it and they rolled it out in 2017, but it wasn't until 2018 when it came out of beta and actually took off. And then that was what quadrupled my income. Like single-handedly, it was Fiverr Pro. <laughs> sure. And, and honestly, I think that strategy, if if you would, of getting a collaboration with a big company or app is one of the best ways to get that visibility, I find. And it's not always easy, but if you can find apps that are on the come up or launching a new feature, that's a great place to go. And speaking of which, I don't want to get too far off topic. Facebook is just launching their, their own podcast platform. Are you excited? Is that something that you're going to be leaning into with? Honestly, have not. I'm so new to podcasting still that I like take any advice people have to give me. But it's definitely a part of my brand to just take advantage of any opportunity that's within my grasp. So I'm sure, yeah, I will be checking that out. I'm also monitoring LinkedIn. That's going to launch its own freelancing platform this fall. So mm-hmm. all of these free, all of these social media sites are totally going to change. You know everything, of course, but freelancing too. And I'm getting, you know, I'm like gearing up to almost be a freelancing news reporter in a way on my channels because nobody else is really covering this stuff. So like I did a YouTube video on LinkedIn launching its new platform last week, and it's by far my most viral YouTube because no one else is like, you know, covering it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all in on these platforms. I actually didn't know that LinkedIn was launching this freelancing platform. So that's pretty interesting. You heard it here first after I was entrepreneurs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I want to—I actually want to talk about this a little bit because you know when I go on Fiverr, I'll, there's lots of people there, right? It's going to be the same thing with LinkedIn. And when we're talking about freelancing, and that can be a lot of different things depending on what your individual skill set and focus is on. How can we actually stand out on these busy platforms? Like, what's a way that we can actually stand out so that we can get high? Yeah, that's that's everyone's always, you know, number one question. And it's it's very basic sales marketing tactics at the end of the day when you think about it. And it's establishing trust with the client as quickly as possible. And what are the two best ways to do that by being yourself, showing yourself, you know, showing imagery of yourself and having a portfolio ready that showcases the work that you can do for them. These people don't care about where you went to college. You know, they don't they don't care about people are like, Oh, I don't want to be on Fiverr. I don't want to look, I don't want to have my picture on it. And I'm just like, that's, they're not hiring you to model for them. You know, they're, they just want to know that you are who you say you are. You're not lying about it. You're not impersonating somebody and that your work is top quality. And it, it, you are someone who can, you know, handle this job and get it done for them. They don't care if you went to college, even where you went to college, none of that. So it's being very forward facing about who you are and what you can offer them like immediately. It is interesting how the workplace is really evolving into 
a results oriented gatekeeper rather than the, where do you went to college gatekeeper? So I'm I'm with you there hundred percent. Like, yeah, I I could go off on college and college loans. I'm holding back. I'm holding back. (laughs) It's, 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 It's really horrible, but I think it's really exciting the way that education is evolving you know, just by watching your YouTube videos, TikTok videos, uh, Instagram, you can get, actually get valuable tools there. So I want to talk a little bit about that because the hot topic, I think, in Q3, Q4 here of 2021 is vertical short form video, right? We've got this like battle of the giants, TikTok and YouTube shorts and Instagram reels, all of which to me are one of the best ways to get found, get noticed, to, mm-hmm. to get organic reach. And you've done a, a wonderful job of repurposing that half a million followers on TikTok, I think 150,000 followers on Instagram, Crazy, blowing, yeah. blowing it up, right? What is your strategy when you go into actually recording a vertical short form video? How do you actually, what do you do before you even record? That's, I know people ask me that. I don't really have, you know, set in stone process. It's kind of whatever that day I'm feeling so. If there's a news article out today that, you know, another 5 million Americans quit their jobs, I'll see that and be like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to post about that. And all my content is going to be related to that today. Or if there's nothing in the news, I mean, uh, people have no problem hearing the same thing, like over and over and over again. So like, I can't tell you how many times I've done Fiverr tutorial videos and it still hits the same every single week. If I do a Fiverr 101. And again, and again, and again, like people can't get enough of it almost, I think, because they're, they're so ready to make fiber work for them that any little piece of anything I can give them, they'll, they'll just take it. And I think my long form video has done so well, not because of the long form video, there's people who edit it much better than me, but because of the actual substance of it. And the fact that all of my stuff is very educational, free value, free motivation, you know, all these things that can actually change other people's lives. I think that's why they keep coming back for it. For As opposed the, for the, to people for the content itself, you know, cause I'll see people who are still stuck in the social media ways of four years ago, where it's all me, me, me. Like when you get on there and you're like, I did my hair today and this is the dye that I used. And some people are still into that, but we've shifted more into a time where if you're not giving something to the viewer, they move on. So getting on there and being like, check out my podcast, check out whatever. No, the video should be, did you know that you could quit your job and make money? Blah, blah, blah. At the end, I have a podcast for that. Like that's how, that's how you have to market today. And I think that's why my long form video has done so well, because any video I do in my head, I'm like, what value is this giving to the viewer? Because otherwise they're going to scroll right past it. Gosh, Alex just inspires me every time I hear her. She is an incredible person. And I hope you enjoyed that clip. Next up, I want to introduce you to Halataha, who runs an extremely profitable digital marketing agency, Young and Profiting. And every time I hear Hala talk, it's like, it's, she's just awesome. She's really inspiring. And I want you to be inspired by hearing her story of how she got started. So without further ado, let's listen to her and her story and an actual tactic that you can use to grow your social media presence. Let's run it. You're working at Disney. You got a great job. You're crushing in the corporate game. Why start a podcast at that time? Why would you get started? 
Well, you know what? Broadcasting was always my passion. I actually was in the radio industry back in college. I was working at Hot 97 and I worked there for free for three years. And I actually dropped out of school to take that opportunity. I ended up going back, but I've had lots you know, radio shows and things in the past. Like I said, I worked at Hot 97. I used to do their commercials, run their Dillette boards. And then I had online radio shows with a lot of DJs on the side. So I would host these like hip hop music shows where I would interview celebrities and, you know, have my friends co-host with me. And, you know, I was on alistradio.net music, DTF radio. I was on all these different uh, stations back in the day and hosting all these different like hip hop shows. And then I had the idea to start Young and Profiting Podcast. I was actually working at Hewlett Packard. It was my fourth year working there. At the time, I had taken a four year break from the entertainment industry because I had almost gotten a show on MTV and MTV pulled the plug. I was devastated and I was like, ah, forget entertainment. Enough is enough. I tried to do it. I didn't make it in radio. I didn't make for TV. Like I'm never going to make it and let me get a normal job. Right. Four years into my corporate career, I was like, you know what? I've got a lot to, to share now. Like I was making six figures. I went from being a broke entrepreneur to being a very successful person in corporate. And I had all this radio background and I was like, how do I put all these passions together? How do I put the broadcasting and the business and, and my passion to kind of help others and lead others and do one thing And so I started Young and Profiting Podcast. It was my first solo show. It was my first podcast. It was maybe my fifth or sixth actual show, though. Like I had a lot of experience. And this is the one that turned out to be a quote unquote overnight success. (laughs) Right, right. Overnight success. But I mean, I know your backstory. I know how much hustling and grinding and how many systems you put in place to get to where you're at now with well over 100,000 downloads per month on the podcast, which is absolutely spectacular. Your LinkedIn game is very strong as well. And I know when you were coming up on LinkedIn, you were doing a ton of DMing, right? Messaging, messaging, connecting, linking up. I'm kind of wondering at this stage in the game where you have tens of thousands of followers on LinkedIn, you also have this podcast that's that's flowing now. How much time are you spending actively DMing people on LinkedIn? And do you think that's still a viable tactic for growing an audience right now? Yes, I think it's it's definitely a viable tactic. That's how I first grew my first 10,000 subscribers is through the DMs on LinkedIn. And I'm still always in my DMs on LinkedIn because I really believe in engaging with your fans and having that one-on-one connection. And honestly, the way that I get Apple podcast reviews is when people DM me and give me great feedback. And then I go like back and forth with them and then ask them for an Apple podcast review because it's very difficult to get those reviews. And unfortunately, they drastically impact your ranking. And so I'm always always after Apple podcast reviews. And my number one way to get those is through the DMS and making a real connection with people and uh, asking them to copy and paste their great feedback that they DM me into an Apple podcast review instead. But yes, I still do DMing. I retarget the people who like and comment on my social media posts. Granted, it's not as accepted as it was back then because everybody knows I have a podcast now. And so when I do that, people are like, yeah, Hala, we know you have a podcast. You know, when I used to do that, people would be like, oh, wow, you have a podcast. Great. Yeah. Let me check it out. I'll give you feedback. So it was like way different. So it's a great strategy when you're just starting out because people probably don't know you have a podcast and, and you are kind of teaching them something new. Our next guest on the show is personally one of my favorite moments on the show. and. This is a moment with Jasmine Starr. The moment I got Jasmine onto the podcast, I was 
just engaged. I was immediately engaged with her because of how much uniqueness she brings to her podcast. She brings so much energy. She brings so much jasmine, so much uniqueness. And I've really started to lean into that with my podcast itself. So anyway, without further ado, that's enough talking about me. Let me introduce you to Jasmine and some of the amazing things that she's doing to help creators like you. I'd like to back it up to dropping out of law school. Don't know what you're going to do next. You, do, you pick up a camera for the first time. I've heard entrepreneurship described as building a parachute after you've jumped out of the plane. Would you say that was similar to your experience? Yes, it's 100%. But I think it's like trying to build a parachute jumping out of the plane with one arm. That's how I feel my <laughs> journey was. And I think a lot of people identify with that. But yes, it's 100% accurate. So tell me, what, wh how did you go about landing your first client? How did you go about making this camera thing work? Photography is difficult. It's tough. It's very competitive. How'd you make it work? Well, it's the same way I made it work with photography. It was the same way I made it work with consulting. It was the same way that I made it work when it came to creating digital courses. And it's the same way that it works now as being a founder, social curator, and that is with content. And I know that sounds like the really easy answer, but what is often perceived as easy is one of the most difficult disciplines because you have to show up consistently to see any efforts from your hard work. Yeah, I completely agree. And something I think it's underrated. A lot of people nowadays are talking about get rich quick, how to accelerate your growth. I, I tell you, just about everyone I talk to when they talk about podcast growth, they talk about how can I run ads to get more listeners? And then, but it, to me, it's more of a long game and something you've done really brilliantly with your podcast, Jasmine, which by the way, has over 1600 five-star reviews on iTunes. It has well, over I mean, a thousand I, let's comments. Not, let's, let's not, let, I mean, let's not, I'm not one for numbers, but it is now 1.7, you know? So we got to, we got to watch it. We're watching those numbers, but yes. Yes. It's just, it's just, it's, and it's tremendous, a huge, huge accomplishment. And one of the things I've noticed that you do with your show is you, you give us a lot of Jasmine. You give, you get a lot of Jasmine with the episode. And I've heard this said as well, that people will come for a guest, but they'll stay for the host. How important do you mm -hmm. think it is for podcasters who are looking for that success to insert their own personality into their show. How important is that? Well, it's wildly important, it, specifically as podcasts grow. So the thing that I was always trepidatious in starting a podcast, and because I felt like there are so many podcasts that already exist, and specifically the way that the podcasting landscape looked was that whenever somebody dropped a book, they would set out like their podcasting tour. And so the same person you would see would be on a litany of podcasts and everybody's asking very similar questions. And I felt like it was powerful and very interesting, but also rather rote and not all that engaging. So if we, if we looked at what was working for some people, I knew that coming into the game much later to that and be like, yet stop 187 on a podcast tour, it just didn't set me apart. And so I would rather grow much smaller with a tiny group of people who are invested in the host to show up as his or her place of power and then bring in and sprinkle in guests to kind of jazz it up. But I 100% believe that the same reason why people understand they're not just buying a cake, they're buying it from a baker, and they're not just buying photos, they're buying a piece of the photographer, and they're not just buying a course, they're buying a piece of the course creator. I believe the same thing when it comes to podcasting. It's like podcasts are one in a million, one in like 10 million, if we're going to be very serious. But the thing that sticks out is the people who own their story, stand in their purpose, and bring their followers and their listeners along for the journey. And I believe it's best of views of personality. Well, I definitely agree with you on bringing your listeners along for the journey. I find that most excellent podcasters are doing that. But one of the difficult things about podcasting is it can sometimes be very difficult to get that 
back and forth communication with your audience, right? A lot of times with podcasting, it feels like you're speaking to your audience, but not hearing from them. What are some ways that we can actually engage with our audience and get that direct feedback from them? Jasmine, what are you doing? Well, you know, the podcast is built that way. It doesn't feel that way. No more. It is that way. Podcasts are <laughs> unidirectional. Now, there are great people just like you who make it feel like a conversation and make it feel like people, listeners, are eavesdropping in on a conversation between two people. But I don't believe that conversations are existing on podcasts. I believe that the conversations are existing outside of the podcast, but the podcast is a conduit of trust and reliability. If then that becomes the case, our call to action, our CTA, which listeners will hear again and again, is we want somebody to do one thing. We want people to take one action at the end of every single podcast. So at the end of every single show, you will hear me ask somebody, send me a DM. Sometimes inside of the podcast, like I'll bake code words, like I had an episode, it, strangely enough, I didn't actually think it was going to do all that well, but it was like the top three things you should be doing in 2021 to market your business. And I baked in there somewhere on like the three-fourths mark, a code word. And I was like, if you made it to this point in this podcast, send me this code word on Instagram. And it's so funny that this podcast dropped in January, months ago, and then all of a sudden, I'm still getting the code word, which has actually been an un like an an unexpected benefit of understanding the long tail of a good podcast episode that people can still be listening months after the fact, sending in the code word. So when somebody sends in a code word, it appears as a DM. If I would have said, hey, send me a DM, uh, some people would probably not do it because they're like, what do I say? When you have a silly code word, and I'm not going to share the code word because I want people to listen. And only the legit listeners will know the code words. Oftentimes I'll make, I'll make references to like Beyonce. I was like, if you love Beyonce, send me a Beyonce gift. And all of a sudden, one morning, I totally forgot that I had that as a CTA and I had all these Beyonce gifts. And I was like, my day is made. Like the queen herself is showing up on Instagram. But the thing was, it's not just that point of connection. It's the fact that I will respond. Now, the minute that I, they went from podcast listener to casual, I might send her a gift to I show up and send somebody a message. They're like, oh, snap. We just got real deep in a matter of seconds. Sometimes, sometimes, very often on podcasts, you'll have the CTA is to sign up for a free resource because then what happens? They get an immediate email and then every single week I'm dropping in their inbox with a little bit of a love bomb, not a sales pitch, not a funnel. It's what are you doing to take action? That is how we're building trust and building those communications, two-way communication. Yo, thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. These women are awesome. Shout out to all the amazing females out there that are making it happen. By the way, if you're an awesome female, if you're an action taker, share this episode, share it out on social media and tag Mark Savant Media. I am absolutely going to reshare it and, you know, show you some love. You show me love, I show you love. But it's honestly, right now, it's not about me. It's about all the awesome women out there that are taking action. Props to you. Share this out. Show some love to these women, Alex, Hala, and Jasmine. And I'll catch you here next time on the After Hours Entrepreneur. See ya. Peace.